Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are back for another episode of the Bash Mania podcast. I am your host, Justin Bash, and you are in for a treat today. I've mentioned it before, but part of the reason I wanted to launch this podcast was to use the access I've been blessed with after a decade plus of running my digital agency and bring on the best wrestlers and bring great conversations directly to your headphones. Today is no exception. We have the two-time and reigning USA Wrestling World Team member Zane Rutherford on the show. This morning, I catch up with Zane just a week removed from the 2019 World Championships. Before we bring Zane in, guys, please go subscribe, leave a five-star review, follow the show wherever you listen to the podcast. It would mean the world to me. I'm also going to be doing some Bash Mania apparel and giving some of it away soon. So if you're interested in that, hit me up. Make sure you're subscribed to the show if you want to get some. All right, let's get this thing started. It's Bash Mania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do when Bashamania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Zane Rutherford, how are you, my man? Great, how are you? Good. How does it feel to be back in the U.S.? Oh, man, I miss American soil, for sure. Do you get, I mean, yeah. you've, you've had your fair share of international travel. Travel. Do you get used to it? Like, I've never left the country, so I have no clue what it's like. But I I'm, I feel like I'm so needy, it'd be hard for me. Oh, no. You get used to it. Um, I, for me, I like coffee, so as long as a place has coffee, I'm usually pretty content. But uh, like some of these European countries, they, they like, like, smaller coffee, so I'm not used to that. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's more like espresso yeah. over there, right? It's espresso or these tiny little cups, you know. Some of like like Germany, uh, they they drink a lot of like milk in their coffee. So and soon, and soon, I imagine now that you're engaged, which congratulations again. I know oh, congratulated a few you. times, but I imagine too, um, is your fiance going to be able to travel with you sometimes? Uh, definitely Tokyo. Uh, if uh, you know that's the plan. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah. Uh, this last trip, she's uh she's Marine ROTC here at Penn State, so she wasn't. I don't think it would be uh ideal to travel to a place like Kazakhstan <laughs> you know, right now. Yeah, but, for sure. All right, so I want to I want to go back. I want to I want to kind of start the the Zane story. L- let's go back. You grew up in PA. You went to high school in PA. You went to college, obviously, in PA. What got you started? How old were you when you started wrestling? So I, uh, I started briefly in kindergarten, and uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was originally uh, WWE. I like The Undertaker. <laughs> Wait, so uh, you were a WWE fan? Oh, yeah. The Undertaker, like, rolling his eyes back in his head. I, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's too funny because I was never any good, but that's why I started wrestling. Because all through, like, elementary yeah, like, middle school, I loved WWE. So I wrestled middle school and high school 
all because WWE. What? What? Yeah, you wanted to. What? I'm trying to think. What? So, what year was it when you were watching The Undertaker? Is it like the late 90s? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Early 2000. Like, we didn't really have, um, like, TV at my house, like, at that time. Um, but I remember going to my buddy's house and just, he had a few older brothers and we'd be watching it over there. And I would just, we, were, we would, like, I don't know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, like, stunner each other. <laughs> Get a trampoline, so we we would just be like slamming each other. I'm like, why don't I do wrestling? That sounds like fun. Yeah. So so the Attitude Era got you. That was like the Vince McMahon, Steve Steve Austin. The Attitude Era got you. All right. So you you you're young WWE fan. If you're talking like kindergarten, like really young. So yeah. How how did you see how to word this? How did you start getting so good? Yeah. um, Well, I guess so kindergarten then i uh, it wasn't wwe it hit me at some point <laughs> this was different uh so then i i went to my first tournament and i remember i got pinned my first match and uh i came up in the bleachers and i like i just like pinched my finger in the bleachers and started crying uh <laughs> and my dad was like you know what enough of this like if you're gonna cry and waste our time we're not doing this so uh i uh, he didn't let me finish the season I was bugging him all kindergarten or uh, first grade. I was bugging him again to come back out. He said, no, we got work on the farm. You know, uh, I don't want you doing that. Come back to me next year. So you were working on the farm that that young? Yes. What Um, kind of stuff did you do when you were that little? At that time, we were mostly, um, we were just selling produce, mostly like truck farming. So my dad would would buy it at an auction and we would like... We kind of resell it. Yeah. Uh, so you helped with a, that then? I helped with that pretty much. My uh, mother's, my one sister Hannah and I, we pretty much grew up doing that, you know, like selling corn and kind of learned the business stuff early on. Uh, I learned how to count change like that when I was like five years old. <laughs> so he so, didn't want you wrestling because he wanted you to work on the farm. Yeah, we, and they just, there's just a lot of work at that time for, you know, our family. We were, kind of we, we just moved and yeah there's a lot going on so but second grade on is pretty much when i you know stuck with it he let me come back out and then at what point i mean you lost what like three times in all of high school like i lose three times in a weekend like how did oh, you get yeah. to that point to where by high school i mean and then in in, in your high school career you went out one of Cadet World Championship in what, 2012? 2012, yeah. So h- how did it evolve? It's like, I like doing this and having fun. Was it going to yeah. a bunch of camps? Was it natural? Like, what was that process like to elevate yourself? Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, like, some of these guys, uh, I remember wrestling or seeing around growing up, like Vincenzo and, uh, you know, Noel, for, I would say, were pretty good growing up. Uh, at, at a young age, I was like, I was kind of knocking on the door. I was, but I would always lose, like, I lost to Nolf, and Nolf was a few years younger than me at a junior tournament. I think he might have been like eight or nine, and I was, you know, 10 or 11. Uh, he beat me then. Uh, and so I was, I was like, I worked hard, but uh, I didn't start getting good until seventh grade. 
it's kind of it's kind of weird. So Darian Cruz was my training partner here for the uh, World Championships, and uh, so I would say when I started getting good is when I kind of started training for him in uh, in seventh grade. He I knew that he had won a state like a junior state title, and my dad, you know, started uh, like I was kind of a little I had like farm strength but not wrestling strength. Yeah, you time, can so. crush an apple in your hand. I'd say that's a little bit of farm strength. <laughs> I, I guess. But uh, we got – so I got tired of, you know, losing to these some of these kids close. So I uh, we just started doing a lot more push-ups. I kind of trained for him that year. So uh, seventh grade is when I won my first, like, junior state title, PJW. And that's kind of when I was like, wow, I want to go to college. I want to do this full-time that's kind of when I started taking off of me so you you start training with it seems like a, a lot of elite wrestlers that are at your level now they did the thing where they go to like 47 different camps they're having 87 different private instructors it sounds like you just did the basics you worked hard you did more push-ups did you ever like really flirt with that hardcore circuit training where you're all at these different camps and was, or was it oh, always yeah. just, you did? Yeah. So yeah, about, about that same time is when my dad started. Uh, so grew up in a, like a rural, real rural town in Pennsylvania. And so like there wasn't much, uh, there wasn't many training partners. Mostly we traveled for training partners. So if we knew, uh, I don't know. One kid at the time was Freddie Stroker that I trained with a good bit. Yep. This is at Cornell. Um, you know, Vincenzo. I, I knew, like, Sunshiro Abe had a club, and he had, there was a lot of good youth wrestlers. Basically, my dad would we would go to these tournaments, and we would chase kids down for practice. So we'd find, like, oh, this kid's tough. He trains here at, in Pittsburgh, which is, like, a five-hour drive. You want to, like, you want to travel this weekend and do a, a camp? Let's do it. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't like chase down the instructors per se. We more chased down like partners because we just wanted to learn and you know kind of get our hands on on guys. And then did you know? I, I assume if you were willing to travel within the state of Pennsylvania, that you're constantly looking for the best places in the state to get better. Is that what led you to want to go to Penn State? Um, you know. Penn State was, so I used to, my, my main club, I would say, growing up was, uh, I would go to Ken Chertos a good bit, and uh, there was a, one of my coaches there, Ian Nassell, he, was, he uh, you know, coached at, at Chertos, so I would travel up there a good bit to, you know, that was my consistent club, and so, like, Penn State, we would often, like, go to the matches afterward. They were not like they are now, like, it was pretty easy to get into a match, just like, oh, let's go to a match, right. uh, you know, the week of. But, like, I, I did. I, I really liked Penn State wrestling. Uh, Coach Kale and the coaching staff was not there yet. I was going to say, watching, that but, has to be, like, what, like, middle, mid-2000s then? Because Kale came over in yeah. 2010. It sounds like this time frame is, like, mid-2000s. Yeah, uh, yeah, mid-2000s. So, I didn't really, uh, I don't know, I I had my eyes on him. We went to – my family loved Penn State football growing up. We would always be, like, having that on the radio as we're, you know, selling pumpkins and whatnot. 
So I always like Penn State. You know, I, I think a lot of people in Pennsylvania do just naturally. But, uh, yeah, I didn't know that I was going to go here for college or anything. It had to be a pretty easy recruiting mission for Kale once knowing you already wanted to be at Penn State or not not knowing you wanted to be at Penn State but having an admiration for Penn State um like someone like RBY had no clue that Penn State even existed you know because when you grow up sure. and, you're, and you're young you're just kind of emerged submerged in your local culture like you were you were submerged in the Penn State culture did was it something that you were kind of pursuing out or was it something where Cal and the coaches reached out to you and you're like, this is a no-brainer, I love Penn State? Yeah, it was It was the uh, the latter that I, I was uh, definitely – I was looking at other schools, to be honest. I initially, um, I would say early in my high school career, I was kind of looking at some, some Ivy League schools. I, my parents had – I was the first of my you know, family to get a college education, so they were – kind of pushing that side of things right uh, when I initially started and so I was looking at you know Harvard or you know keep my grades up and uh, at some point I realized that I wanted to do well, I wanted to pursue you know what I'm doing now the Olympic side of things after college and so then I began looking at you know schools that that offered that and had guys that were like were making it happen on the senior level yep and honestly, Penn State kind of came in last minute. Um, you know, schools like Iowa or Oklahoma State were kind of looking at me a little bit earlier, and I was really considering them. And then it's kind of Penn State came to my house, and uh, I was just kind of I, – I, I knew the, from the first visit that that's where I wanted to go. Yeah. It was kind of playing hard to get. Yeah, but, but yeah. And I imagine that was that was what like 2013, right? When you went there, so 2000, 2012 uh, summer. Okay. Is when, so Cal yeah. had just kind of taken the reins. That I remember that first year was like a get acclimated. The second year he wins. So sure, you saw that climb right from the beginning, and you hopped right in. Yeah, I. I don't know. I, I like I saw the climb. I was at the, I was lucky enough to be at the world, at the NCAA championships when it was in Philly, in 2011. And I thought it was really cool, like what they had done, what Penn State had done. They won the title that year for the first time. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I didn't really. They weren't coming after me, so I was like, well, I guess I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> I guess I'm going out of state. You know they. Right. I, Another another guy that was uh, that was you know Anthony Ashnall is kind of a guy that I heard that they were recruiting for my weight class, so I was like, well, I guess they got their spots covered. Better start looking elsewhere. And uh, you know, somewhere along the line, they they came in. It wasn't really the school or what they had done that attracted me. It was uh, you know, just who they were when they came and visited. They were the only. Kale was like Coach Kale was the only coach that had asked me know what my goals were when they came and visited everyone else was kind of selling me on the school yeah uh, rather than like what what are, you, what are your goals well we can help you get there kind of thing yeah and yeah. then and then i mean going through the collegiate career you just absolutely dominated like every yes. year it, it was such a level of domination how do you 
by, by at this point, you're already a, a cadet world champion. You only had three losses in all of high school. How do you keep the mindset to keep that level of success? So many times success, I feel like there's so many ebbs and flows where somebody will have a high or two highs or then they'll have a bunch of lows. A couple more highs, a sure. lot of lows. How do you consistently try to maintain the perspective that, I mean, mindset is so crucial. So what is it that keeps your perspective going into college that, I mean, growing up where I grew up, I saw a lot of kids that were great in high school and they kind of sucked themselves out from cutting weight and everything else and they flopped in college. Like, how do you yeah. hit that pinnacle and then continue to stride? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just kept, pretty much kept doing what I was doing, um, but except I bought into, you know, the coaching staff and, uh, you know, their philosophy, their training methods. I, I definitely, I think I trained harder, uh, definitely more, I don't know, just different in high school. Um, yeah. You know, more running and, and stuff like that, where Penn State, I, I just kind of, I don't know, I bought in. I would say being, you know, being coachable helps a lot. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I think some people, some people lose sight of what they want. I think if you're clear on what you want, it's pretty easy to not get sidetracked. Um, you know, I just put the work in and a lot of kids don't go to, go to class and make it harder on themselves and they need to make it. School's yeah. not that hard. You know? <laughs> right. So. Yeah, just go to class. <laughs> How do you get better at wrestling? Go to class. But it, it's true. I mean, you got to do the things you, you've had success in to continue. It's just always fascinating to see somebody have success and then continue it on the next level. And now you're getting ready to, to do that again where, okay, you, you have this dominant collegiate career where you're the NCAA most dominant wrestler, Hodge Trophy winner, and now you got to adjust again. Now it's time yeah. to reacclimate to a new level of wrestling in a different atmosphere. I talk about with all these guys that come on the show, and it's like it's so interesting for me to see. Like in high school, you are you're ignorant to what's going to happen in practice. In college, you're a bit more aware. But then when it gets to the senior level, like it's all in yourself per se. You obviously have yes. coaches, but what what is that transition like? You just you gotta take more responsibility for your career. You know, the the more you get, I guess you just get more freedom. The, the further you go, you know, you, you start this stuff um, in elementary school. Your parents are coordinating everything for you. Then at some point you get to high school where hey, I can drive myself to practice. You know, you get a little bit more freedom. Yeah. And it just progressively you get to college where you're living on your own now. You know, you're not at home. And, but you still, there's still like a schedule of, oh, I got class. I still have coaches that, you know, expect me to do this. I still got a team aspect. Um, and now it's like, you still kind of have all that. Um, but, you know, the, the focus is on the college guys and, and I you just need to take responsibility for your career, um, you know, the further and more freedom you get. Does it make it easier or harder that you don't have the structure of college throughout the day? Is it less of a burden? 
I would compare it to having a to being self-employed, you know, uh, interesting. I guess it, like if you want to if you want to be self-employed and you could you know do it however you want. You can make it as free as you want. You could just, you know, travel and hitchhike across the the nation or or you could like yep. make it as, as structured as you want. So um I don't know. I, I I like it better, you know, I don't have to go to class. Um but you need to make sure you're doing it responsibly. Yeah. You need to be disciplined disciplined with your time. Make sure that it's pretty easy. I, I pretty much just live in Rec Hall and then and then What do you uh, do when you're not pretty, when you're not at practice? Cuz you're what? You're training like twice a day, I know. What do you do when yeah. you're not there? Like do you have hobbies that you're pursuing or is it kind of just filling downtime? Uh a lot of it's downtime. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I'll watch just watch TV from I'm pretty much at rec from 9 to 5 and I I'll go home in between to just get a eat some lunch, read um, you know, but it's really a full time. It's like it's like a full time job. I mean, if you figure yeah, from, but, from nine to five, it's yeah. You're pretty much focused on either practice or recovering, and then then you're home at five and eat dinner and you know unwind for the day. But it's awesome. Get to do what I love. Yeah, and then it's it's got to be cool too because your your destiny or you're you're controlling your own fate. You're you're putting the work in. You're recovering. You're you're able to do everything you can. That your success or failure is in your hands. How much? Sure. How much adjustment is there constantly? Like you didn't you didn't do what you wanted to do at the World Championships. Is it something that you just try to? And I and I heard your interviews after, so I I kind of know the answer. But is it something yeah. that you can just say? Okay, I just need to dial into this one area, or do you do you take a more widespread a- approach? Because I'm neurotic, so where you are smarter yeah. than me, and you'd be able to say, "Okay, I think I got out techniqued. I just need to be out techniqued." Do you at the same time feel comfortable with nutrition and everything else, or is it something that makes you look at the whole approach when you're doing that? You know, after every competition, you know, win or lose, I kind of do an inventory of, you know where my mind was at, how the preparation was, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And so I did that this trip and I felt everything was where I wanted it to be. You know, my, my weight was really good. Uh, my training felt great. I was in great shape. Uh, you know, my, my technique, I, I felt fresh. So everything was good, but I think I just got, you know, I got caught he's been there before and uh, I don't know one position was you know parterre I got turned twice and I had a chance for a trap arm gut which usually is a turn or at least right. a few and I, I didn't get a turn off of it so like those little and I'm, at the end of the day I was one point away so just those little things being just a little bit more stingy there um would have made the difference in the match. Um, so, you know, you put all this, I was eating right. You can do all the right things, you know, outside of it. But at the end of the day, it's however, whoever puts more points on the board. So just a good reminder of that. And I, I don't think I really need to change much, which is, 
I, I wrestled uh, Rashida up, who ended up winning the tournament. Right. You know, um, but you know, he technically, you know, everyone kind of knows he lost his first match. Like if you, I don't know, it, it was very uh, unconvincing four points. <laughs> with, against against Ali against Aliyev, uh, to say inconvenient to say <laughs> unconvincing is, is unconvincing. an understatement, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, regardless, you know, he, he pretty he got a second chance, and uh, I think you know, in tournaments like this, you give any you give me you give you know the Cuban a second chance in the match that he lost. You know, any one of those guys could have could have won that tournament. So when it's when it's uh, the weight class is that close, uh, it's just I don't think there's much I need to change. Just got to do it next time. Got to put more points on the board. And, and you got to be excited too that the Olympic trials now are in Penn State. Yes, very excited. Uh, what? I, what I is? Be, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, you. All I was going to say is that it's got to be exciting because at this point it's so. It's hard for somebody like me who's outside of it or watching from the outside to comprehend because I, I pick favorites. And at times it gets hard hard to do. You know, you, yeah. you, you're close with a couple of guys or you're, you're friends with a couple of guys and like 65's no different. And a lot of you guys are very likable. Like you, Yanni, you know, there, there's so many like good character in wrestling how do you separate that when you're trying to compete knowing that, like, me, Yanni, Oliver, Ashnall, we all have the same aspirations, and that's to make it to Olympic trials, and none of you guys hate each other. You guys all respect each other so much. How do you keep yeah. that separate of trying to, like, compete knowing, or, or maybe you don't even keep it in mind, but how do you keep that in mind that, like, you're, everybody's competing for this same goal? How yeah. do you dial in to make it that I know how good these guys are, I know how bad they want it, and I still have to beat them? And does it give you, like, do you feel like you have home field advantage now? I mean, I know I would. If I went to Penn State and the trials yeah. are at the Bryce Jordan Center, I 100% feel like I have home field advantage. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think about it when, so for instance, like like you are saying, these other guys that are my weight class, we all respect each other, but... You know, some people, one person is going to get the spot and, you know, there's some very good competition that's not going to get the spot um, at every weight this year. It's just the Olympic trials get so competitive, it drops down to six weight classes and some very good guys that could win are, are going to be left out just the way it's going to be. Um, so I think for me, I just stay clear on what I want. I can't worry about that. Um, you know, I, it's just they're just opponents and. That's, that's all it is. This is wrestling. If, if you want the spot, it's what you got to do. And I think it gets tricky, you know, when, like, luckily for me, I don't really have any anyone uh, as, as much of an issue with this uh, as, you know, like 74 is going to be for Penn State. There's a bunch of guys that train together that are probably going to see each other, you know. Yeah. And all Vincenzo, Mark Hall, you know, guys like that, all the same weight class and very likely that they're going to wrestle. Um, so, like, I would say that would be more tricky, you know, wrestling a teammate and knowing that, you know, one of us is going to come out of this on the other side, one's not. Um, Beck side and 
Bexad Abdurakmanov and Frank Gomez just had that happen at the World Championships first round. Yeah, because they're both Penn State guys. I, I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah. So it's it's not like that's the part of the sport that is hard when you you got someone that you're really close to and that you compete alongside every day and uh, you're gonna have to wrestle. So it'll it'll be fun. I I uh, like I'm looking forward to it, but I know there's gonna be that aspect of it for this trials as well. And you know that's it's a good thing to to bring up too. Like when it comes to bringing guys in to train with you. Is it a, it's it's such a double-edged sword? It seems like say like, okay, I want to bring the best guys in to train me or train with me, yeah. but and you kind of saw it happen with Yanni and Oliver at Cornell, where yeah. you know you you bring someone in because iron sharpens iron, but then you know you got to wrestle them, and you know sometimes it's easier than others. Like you you kind of have guys like let's say Burroughs and James Green. Well, Jordan's yeah. now sitting in the finals. So James has to win the whole challenge tournament to get there. So it's at least a little more unlikely. It's not like, sure. oh, hey, we could go in the first round. Do, yeah. How do you not get too close to somebody if, like, I don't know. It, you don't want yeah, to I've bring never, someone in, but I, at the same time, like, iron sharpens iron. How do you balance that? I think that's the struggle with, like, you know, USA wrestling in this country, like, like the freestyle aspect, because we all, you know, we're in college and we're all competitors. And then at some point it switches to where, oh, you know, we're trained together. We're Team USA. You know, you know, one team here, we're going up against Russia. And that's that's the enemy now. Um, so that's like the weird dynamic in the United States with, you know, college wrestling. You got, you got that where these other countries don't. So I, I feel like that's where they're, Iron sharpens iron over there. Uh, and we're kind of just learning how to do that. For me, I never worry about it. You know, whenever I'm at the Olympic Training Center, there's guys in my weight class that I'll probably have to wrestle. And still, I want to wrestle with them. I, I don't want to, like, dodge people. That, right. I mean, to me, to me, even, to me, dodging, like, saying no to somebody that would want to wrestle me, like, say someone came up to me and was like, hey, you want to go? Do you want to wrestle today? And I said no because I was thinking about competing them. Um, like, to me, like, that would mess with my conscience. You know what I mean? Like, that would be Yeah, like, for sure. Why am, I, why am I running from this guy? And so especially, I, too, if you're yeah. at the USA, if you're at the Olympic Training Center, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not, I've, I've never thought that that would be, like, that would not be a, an issue to me. To, to train with somebody that I'm going to compete with. That's pretty much what I did all growing up. Like, I would seek out, like I said, my dad would travel places to, to train with people. So. And then do you yeah. do you try to bring people in now to Penn State? Like, I know Bexod's there and, and Gomez is there, and I'm sure you're training with them. Do you try to yeah. bring in as many guys as you can, or do you try to keep it more of a, a tight-knit thing where, you know, there's only so many guys you want to train with on a regular basis? Sometimes people come in, uh, like like Japan has been in before, and the guy, yep. that I, the guy that I wrestled at Beat the Streets was there, and, you know, we trained together. So, like, like that, that kind of stuff has happened. Uh, but, you know, I, we already traveled to the Olympic Training Center so much, 
there's really not like a need to like, hey, come on, like contact somebody and say, come in and let's train together. Right. Um, you know, and, and I got really fortunate at Penn State to have so many training partners to wrestle with. I don't really feel like a need to do that too much. But yeah, I would be open to it. So tell me now what your timeline schedule looks like as you are you taking any time off before you get back going in the grinder of things here yeah it's it's weird uh yeah it's weird taking time off especially after like you know i went i lost one match and i was done out there at the world championships so like coming home on that note it's weird taking time off i know i need to um just because you know this this Olympic cycle is going to come quick and it's not going to stop. It's going to be like pretty steady through next August. So yeah. just got, just got to prepare for that now. And, um, you know, my body feels good, but I know, I know like a little bit of time off will do me better than you know coming right back to work right now. So yes. Have, have you, have you ironed out like where you want to compete next and have you like, kind of finalized your plan or are you kind of waiting for this period of let me take a couple of weeks off and recuperate and then we'll come up with a fresh game plan yeah i kind of like to when i take time off i like to like it would be like if i went on vacation just for, like not think about anything uh wrestling wise like i not even watching the the match that i lost right now just kind of just kind of putting it aside and then when i'm ready to start getting back to work that's when i'll start dialing in and, and uh you know watching the techniques looking at exactly what i need to work on and doing all that stuff and so you haven't formalized your your competition schedule then yet either i'd no, imagine no no not at all uh, it's pretty it's pretty short though like I, I know i already qualified for the olympic trials yep uh, you know being a world team member so there's not much to do i I know at some point I'm gonna have to qualify the weight for the Olympics yep. at some tournament before the uh, before the trials. So, you know, just kind of keeping that on my radar. But there's not much else to do uh, until then. So, so it sounds like you can take a nice few weeks off, spend some time with your fiance, and then get back into the grinder of things. Get back to the grinder. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday we were painting. Uh, today I'm going to visit my family back home in Benton. When, uh, a little while, have you guys set a date for the wedding? We're going to do it after the Olympics. So looking at 2021, just kind of. Oh, you're uh, going to have a long she, engagement. She, she, yeah, she has, um, she's pretty busy with her, her Marine stuff as well. And just, it seems like a busy 2020. So we're just going to do it after. Yeah, it makes sense. It's the opposite of what I did. We got engaged in May. We're getting married in three weeks from now. Five, Like a five-month oh, wow. engagement. <laughs> Dang. Was that a lot to plan? You know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It isn't. Or it wasn't. wasn't. Yeah. The, the hard part about the engagement is, in my mind, the longer you have to think about something, the more stressful it is. The longer of a time okay. you spend picking a venue, the longer of a time you spend picking flowers, the more time you spend on these things, the harder and more stressful it is. My thought process yeah, was if you shorten that and if we have to just keep making decisions, 
yeah, you're going to, no matter what, engagements are stressful. So I'm like, I'd rather have a five-month engagement, get all that stress out of the way, and it forces you. Now it's over in five months. I don't care how stressful it is. Versus a year or two years, depending on how you come about things. And we're paying for this all 100% out of pocket. So it's not even like, you know, the, the, the pro to that is nobody else can kind of dictate what we do. Where sometimes yeah. family members get in, they're like, well, you should really get married at this church. Well, you should really do this. Well, you should really have that. Yeah. So it wasn't I bad. See. It's uh, We're kind of here three weeks out as of tomorrow. So most decisions sure. have been, been made. We're just paying a few final bills and getting the seating charts down and all that. And then it's go time. Then it's go time. That's awesome. So, yeah, I don't know. If it's... I I uh, I guess I took the opposite, like the the stressful. I, I like that though, like a, a fast engagement. That's cool. Yeah, it makes sense, and, and it's not for everybody. Like I'm 33 years old. I yeah. I have a house. I'm you know th- we want to start building th- this new house here soon. So I figured, you know what? Why prolong it? If I was your age and I'm competing in world championships and about to compete in the Olympics and all that, I, then I'd probably do what you're doing. Then, then I feel like it makes sure. sense. For us, it's like, yeah. let's just get this do done it. and over with and get married and be done. Heard that. Awesome, awesome, man. Well, listen, I know you got to run here to the dentist, so I'm going to let yeah. you go, but I'll see you next Saturday, Traeger Scrap Life Cook-Off, and, and, and we're going to bring sweet. the heat. Bringing Heard the that. heat. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Well, thanks so much for for stopping by today and and making time when you're uh, kind of taking some time off from wrestling. So we'll uh, we'll talk soon, man. Thank you again. And that's today's show. Thank you so much for listening. I've got some incredible guests coming up, too, so the goodness doesn't end here. Be sure to subscribe and follow the show wherever you're listening right now. This podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to the Bashmania podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back ah, we'll be back next week with another episode. And the beat goes on.